All right, kids, welcome. Family Sunday. Talking about revenge. Kiddos, you ever been mad? Yeah, you ever wanted to take revenge? All right, Jesus is going to tell you how to handle that today, okay? So uh, keep your Bibles open, even you kiddos. We're going to look at this together. We're going to walk through what is Jesus talking about here in this passage. If you've been here with us, you might be wondering, what about the passages before that? Anybody notice we skipped some? Okay, we're coming back. Okay, it's just Family Sunday, so I thought it was better if I didn't address those. So we'll come back to them, and today we're just going to jump into to this one. And it, and it kind of close, uh, ties closely together because last week we talked about anger, or Jesus got up in our business about anger. And so today is an extension of that, um, or a follow-up to that, because, okay, you know, we can admit we're not supposed to murder people, right? And then the point last week was like, yeah, but don't even entertain anger and bitterness, because that's the same, that's the, that's the seed and the root that eventually grows into what leads someone to actually take someone's life. And so we got to deal with that prior to, you know, it getting to the point of plotting murder. So you might be, you know, okay, you know, conceding to that, I got to deal with anger, I can't get, you know, I can't let bitterness set in. But some of y'all have real legitimate questions. What about when I am wronged, like legitimately harmed or wronged? What do I do? Is there any room for vindication? Is there any room for vengeance or justice? And, and how do we pursue ourselves, or how do we pursue that in that? And, and, and some of y'all have real life situations where, I mean, it's just not as simple as, okay, don't be angry, right? There's, there's more questions, there's more follow-ups. So Jesus is going to uh, go a little bit deeper even today as he talks about um, revenge. And so he's going to call his people, guess what? He's going to call us to apply the gospel to that desire as well. Okay, so that desire to avenge ourselves, to vindicate ourselves, to defend ourselves to other people, Jesus is going to say, hey, the gospel speaks there too. This whole sermon, right, this whole Sermon on the Mount is just a consistent reminder that we, we, we don't encounter Jesus Christ. We don't encounter his gospel without being radically and forever changed. That it, it is not just an external box that we check of, okay, this is how we identify in religious preferences. If we're following Jesus, we are going to be transformed from the inside out. The gospel is so radically life-changing that by its very nature, it must produce a people that live differently. And that's exactly what Jesus is talking about. The Sermon on the Mount is talking about the kingdom is here, and here's how this kingdom is going to look. Here's how people that are part of this kingdom, here's how we are going to live. So Jesus, and you know, he says that, if you, you notice one of the couple of last verses that Adam read for us there, verse 46, we'll kind of look at those first, because one of the things he says um, in verse 46 to 48 is he says, hey, listen, if all you do is... You know, say hi, greet, verse 47, if you just greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Even the Gentiles do the same. You, therefore, must be perfect, even as the Heavenly Father is perfect. So what Jesus is saying is like, listen, if you just do the bare minimum, right, if you just greet your brothers, you're not being any different than the world. Everybody does that. Everybody does that. So this, this, right, this right at the start puts it in front of us that who is this, who is this for? This is for his people that have been transformed by his grace. We should, as a result of that, act and live differently. So it's a, it's a glaring implication that if the gospel is true, and it is, church, then we must be a people who do relationships different. Okay? And here you say that again. If the gospel is true, and it is, then we must be a people who do relationships different. Okay? We are horizontally, or rather vertically justified and redeemed and forgiven, so it radically affects how we do horizontal relationships. Okay? We're going to talk about that more. It's kind of the theme of the, of the sermon. And once we are vertically justified and identified, when we have our identity settled in Jesus, 
We don't have to defend ourselves horizontally. That's, that's kind of, spoiler alert, like that's where this is headed. And so Jesus is going to help us flesh that out. Because, uh, okay, so that helps us even know a little bit more who he's talking to. If you remember, the Sermon on the Mount is given to a group of Jesus' disciples gathered at his feet while he's sitting down teaching. Now there's a crowd, right? Uh, there's the, the primary, there's the, the disciples that are all in that are following him. He's talking primarily to them, but he's li- they has other people that are listening. It's, it's, it's intelligible to the crowd as well. And so he's talking to his people should be different. And so it's important to remember uh, this as well, that this, some have used this passage to justify uh, things like pacifism. Right? See, Jesus, see, Jesus says we shouldn't resist evil, we shouldn't, you know, we turn the other cheek, we shouldn't fight back at all. Right? And, and you know, even taking it as far as saying we don't need police, we don't need soldiers, and, and those sorts of things, capital punishment and, and whatnot. But, but again, this is directed at the people who have been transformed by the gospel. This is the meekness that we saw back in the Beatitudes on display. When Jesus says, blessed are the meek, they shall inherit the earth, right? What he's saying is we are people, we don't have to insist on our rights, insist on our way because we've been given something better so we can let those sorts of things go. This is meekness on display that we saw in the Beatitudes. So yeah, equality of justice is still needed civilly, okay? There's still a role and a purpose to that. Jesus is not talking about how the government is set up and that there shouldn't be any resistance to evil. No, Romans 13 makes it really clear. He's put the the government, he's put police, he's put authorities in place to apply the sword to wickedness and to hold back evil, okay? So that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about to his, his people, we, we have a different way of doing relationships, as I've said. So we have different hearts. We've been given new hearts. We have different motives. And so we approach and deal with one another differently. So really, as we get into this, is the whole Sermon on the Mount, you need to be really today's sermon in particular. As I said, once we're justified and identified vertically, we don't have to, we, we don't need to defend ourselves horizontally with other people. And, and if you're honest with, your, with yourself about this, what Jesus is is really telling us is, hey, following him, we need to be ready to pay the price for imitating Jesus. As we follow him, you think about his example. Derek alluded to it earlier. While we were still sinners, right, we were in pure rebellion to him, and his response to that was to draw near to us and lay down his own life, not insisting that his name be defended, not insisting that that his justice get served by our blood, but instead putting himself there. And so as we do that, if you think about Jesus on the cross, not condemning those that are even driving the nails into his hands, speaking for, like, like you think about that, now we have to be ready to, to pay the price for following that kind of savior into our horizontal relationships, not seeking vindication, not insisting on defending ourselves. That's what Jesus is setting us up for here. So uh, it, it's... Um, He's going to get real. He's going to walk us through some practical examples uh, here. But um, as we get into verse 38, we, we, once again, this is a passage where it says, you have heard that it was said, but Jesus is going to add to that or correct that. We looked at that last week. That doesn't mean Jesus is correcting the Old Testament. It doesn't mean that, oh, God said this, but we're done with that. That actually didn't work out that well, so I'm going to give you something new. Remember, this is all in the context that Jesus says, I've not come to abolish the law. I'm not here to get rid of the Old Testament. I'm here to completely and totally fulfill it. Okay, so we, we looked at that last week. How it, it's kind of like learning some rudimentary you know, uh, skills to just communicate in another country versus being fluent in that language, right? It doesn't mean those, those phrases you learned how to ask where the bathroom was when you went to Mexico, it's not wrong. 
Right? You're not getting rid of those phrases. You're just going to learn the rest of the language. That's kind of what it's like to be transformed by the grace, get a new heart. The law is now written on our hearts. We're not just looking at it externally. How do we apply the minimum to our life? But rather, it's put inside of us, and the whole spirit of the law is now transformed. Right? Another way to look at it is like somebody learning um, music. Right? If, you're, if any parents ever had a kid learning an instrument, it'd be a little challenging to listen to, can't it? Because even when they, they start figuring it out, they start learning the scales, and they're just playing, right? It's not music. It's a little obnoxious, isn't it, right? But they need to learn that, right? It, it, it gets, like, it's important. It's just building this foundation, and ultimately, it will lead to them being able to play beautifully, right? So the Ten Commandments, God's law, it's like that. Like, we needed those things. We're not doing away with them. It's not like once you learn how to play music, you no longer, you know, you're just done with the scales. No, now that informs how you play beautiful, harmonious music, right? But somebody that only knows those things, they can be a little bit obnoxious, right? It's a new Christian. They just got one or two, you know, rules that they're really proud of, and they go around trying to enforce it on everybody. Anybody met anybody like that? They just get saved, and they start calling out everybody for their junk, for their pride, and it's not wrong, but right, it just give them some grace, right? They're going to need a minute. It's okay. So it's like that. When Jesus says, you've heard it said, but I'm here to tell you, he's not correcting the Old Testament. He's correcting some wrong interpretation and application of the Old Testament. He's, he's correcting what the, the, the Pharisees and the, the lawgivers of the day have, have twisted for their own benefit. And he's saying, you've heard it say this, but I'm here to tell you what it actually meant was this. Okay, so that's where Jesus is coming from in all of these passages. There's six of them in chapter 5 here where he's going to address different topics. Okay, so this is what he's saying in verse 38. You've heard it said, an eye for an eye or a tooth for tooth. How many of you guys have heard that? You've heard that maybe in context and out of context, right? You've heard it thrown around. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. Jesus says, but I say to you, don't resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. How many of you heard that? Turn the other cheek. These are famous passages. Rarely understood, but often quoted. Turn the other cheek. So what is Jesus saying here? Again, this is where we get into people promoting pacifism and you know, saying we, we never fight, we never stand up, we don't resist the evil. And, and that, listen, it's important, okay? We talk about this often. It's important to interpret Scripture through Scripture. Okay? We don't take one sentence and one passage, one phrase in the Bible and build a theology or a life off of it. We need to run it through the rest of Scripture and make sure we have a context and understand what Jesus is saying because the Bible doesn't tell us never to fight. It doesn't tell us to never resist evil. This is in the context of particularly Christian persecution. This is in the context of particularly being insulted or persecuted for following Jesus. In essence, what he's saying is it's not that we never fight. It's we don't fight when we don't need to. We don't defend ourselves unnecessarily. We're not the quick-triggered people who will just blow up at the fast food people because they got our order wrong. Anybody rate, like... It's kind of my family. It's kind of how we rolled, and my wife's probably grinning because I have that tendency. I gotta like push it down in me because I can, I can just I could snap on somebody, right? It's not healthy. It's not needed. I don't need to. I don't need that, right? That Panera worker was not trying to indict my character. <laughs> just human. Probably short-staffed. Show up for work. Just a quick side note. Good grief! If you're a Christian. I'm not even kidding. Show up for work. All right, I, I can't even, that's not even part of the sermon. But for real, work. <laughs> Bible says you won't work. You're worse than an unbeliever. You don't eat. That's your problem. That's my paraphrase, but it says you need to work. Be ready to work. You can't work. We'll take care of you. You can work. Get a job. We'll help you. Goodness. Sorry. It was not in my notes. 
don't know where I was. Sorry. All right. So Jesus doesn't tell us not to ever fight. It tells us not to fight when we don't have to. That's the point here. When you're being persecuted, being attacked for following Jesus, you don't have to defend yourself. You don't have to step up. Okay, so here's maybe just a quick example. Um, we're talking about persecution primarily. Let me, just, let me just give you this example. Maybe it'll help kind of flesh this out a little bit. If someone steps into the church, heaven forbid, and starts harming people with a weapon, okay, um, harming women, children, innocent people with whatever weapon, it, let, me, let me be really clear. It is not honoring to Jesus for those of us who can do something about it to sit here and let it happen. Okay? That is not what it means to not resist evil. Okay? We should, when, when vulnerable children, people are being harmed, we who have the means should use whatever means we can to put a stop to that harm. Okay? And we have teams equipped and employed to do that each week here we, we, don't, we're not gonna, we don't intend to let that happen while we just watch. There, there's nothing glorifying to God about just letting that, that happen. If someone's turning a weapon on innocent people, we should do what we can to stop that. Now, but here's the other side of that. Laws change. Christianity is no longer legal. Whatever. We're not supposed to gather here. Authorities come through the church, come through those doors. They're here to arrest me for preaching the gospel. We don't pull our, we don't pull our weapons. We don't resist them. Okay? I'm going to jail. Prison ministry from the inside. Okay? We're not resisting that. You see what I'm saying? You see the difference there? Even if that means them taking me out of here in cuffs means I'm going to be on the town square being crucified or hung or beaten or burned later. Jesus says, don't resist that. Don't resist it. Go. Oh, this is radical, but we need to understand what he's saying, what he's not saying, okay? We need to understand it's not about pacifism. It's not about whether we should be involved in government and, and wars, those sorts of things. He's, he's saying, listen, when, when you're my people, people are going to have something to say against you. You're going to be persecuted. You're going to be called names. You're going to get texts. You're going to get, you know, Facebook posts, that are, whatever, right? We don't have to defend ourselves and rise up in those situations, we, we, can, we can turn the other cheek. So, so that's, uh, you know, and, and let me be clear. Even if I get hauled off to jail, let's say that, and then the Lord miraculously gives me a way to escape, do I just sit there and say, well, man, I'm not supposed to resist evil? No, get up and get out of the jail, right? Happens all the time in the scripture, right? You read the book of Acts and, uh, you know, P Paul and Barnabas are locked up. Peter, uh, he's locked up, right? God miraculously, sometimes through an earthquake, sometimes through an angel, opens up those prison doors. You know what they do? They get them and walk out. We got some more gospel slinging to do. We got some more ministry to do. But you know what they don't do? They don't go kill the guards who locked them up. You see what I'm saying? They don't go take vengeance on those guards who wrongly imprisoned them. In fact, Paul and Barnabas stop a guard who's about to take his own life because he's lost prisoners. They say, no, no, no. Don't hurt yourself. We're all here. And he preaches a gospel to that dude, the Philippian jailer, and he becomes a core, you know, member, core member of the church plan at Philippi. It's awesome. Some people say, you locked me up. I'm here to, like, right, I'm, I'm here to take vengeance. No, no, the Lord he says, don't do that. All right, so there's a little bit of the difference when he says don't resist evil. We're not here to exert, you know, we're not here to fight in those sorts of ways. When we don't have to fight, we don't fight, right? So more practically, somebody's going to take your wallet from you. Just give them the wallet. How are you going to justify to, to, to pull your gun and, and bring heart? Like, no, just give me your wallet. Jesus will provide for you. 
Just smile. Be like, all right, Jesus is going gonna to handle me, right? He'll tell us in the next chapter, I'll take care of you. Take care of the flowers and sparrows. I don't think I'll take care of you. Like, give me your wallet. They're going to harm my children? No, no, they're going to go through me. Does that make a difference? Does that make sense a little bit? I interpret scripture through scripture. But we're talking about Christian persecution. He says, he says don't resist the evil one, right? So um, this also doesn't mean, just real quick, that we aren't involved in executing civil justice here. Okay, so, so it doesn't mean that we're never involved in executing civil justice, okay? So again, this is talking about persecution primarily. So if you're involved in a situation where there's been physical harm done to you or to someone you love, this isn't saying you shouldn't press charges and make sure that person gets locked up and can't hurt anybody else. It's not what this is saying, okay? Um, I mean, can you imagine the evil that that would be? Knowing that someone's harming people, children, women, whatever, and you setting idly by, not calling the authorities because it says not to resist evil, right? You see what a gross misinterpretation of what Jesus is saying here? No, no. You read Romans 13, and it becomes really clear. The Lord put the authorities in place for the, the control of the civil unrest, the civil chaos that happens when you have hard-hearted, sinful people living together, living in, in community together. They're going to harm one another. They're going to get twisted, They're, right? So, so yes. There are times whenever we need to press those charges. We need to make sure that someone who's dangerous is locked up, and we need to follow through with that, those charges and that, the legal process that is there. Okay, So we just got to be clear that we don't get some misinterpretations and, and hear what Jesus is not saying. The context here is very much Christian persecution. Okay, Is that clear? Got it? Follow up with me afterward if, if not. I can't exhaust every situation, but I just, just want to... I just want to talk about that. So that's what not, that's what's not saying. That's what Jesus is really not saying. It's not really about whether Christians should be involved in legal or military issues. What, what he's doing is making it clear that we should do, as I said earlier, we should do our relationships with each other differently than the world. We should respond to people, persecution, accusation, insults, robbery, all that. We should respond differently than the world. Namely, we should respond exactly like Jesus responded. Just know that that's kind of the big heading over this whole passage is, hey, what would Jesus do? That's a throwaway line. It's on bracelets or whatever. But seriously, what would Jesus do? It's a good, good question to ask yourself in this. Would he exert, like would he, would he puff out his chest and defend himself or would he just quietly go on? Jesus got falsely accused all the time. Name called all the time. All the time. He doesn't feel the need to defend himself. Okay, so. Let's go back to the, to the original passage that they're misinterpreting. It says an eye for an eye or tooth for tooth. It, it, it's kind of what we've already been talking about. That was given back in Deuteronomy and the days of the law. That was given as, as not this, what, it, what they've turned it into is kind of this entitlement to get vengeance, to get justice out of every situation. Like, right, you, you took, you know, you, uh, you caused my animal to die. That means I'm going to get your animal, right? You, you, uh, you broke my donkey's leg doing whatever nonsense. I don't even know how that stuff happens, but whatever. You broke my donkey's leg, so I'm going to get your donkey in return, right? An eye for an eye, or tooth for tooth. So people are like, I'm entitled to this. You took this from me, so give me yours, right? And actually, the spirit of what was given here, the reason it was given is God was trying to bring some, or he was bringing order and equity of justice into the civil world. First of all, you need to know it was given to the, the judges of the day to execute. This was not about individuals getting after one another. It was given to the judges to, to execute civil you know, sentencing for different crimes. And, and it, was, it was also to say, hey, there's going to be, you know, equality of this. If you get harmed and you want to bring, you want to you get, you know, 
repercussions or, you know, reparations for that harm, that's, that's okay, but they need to be within reason. They need to be equal. They're, in this day and age, like, what was happening? Somebody might, you know, kill, take your donkey or cause your donkey's, you know, leg to be broken or whatever. A donkey, I mean, I'm not even being light. Like, that was a, that was a work animal, right? It was a big, it was a big deal. It was, it was uh, of high value to a family. You take, take my donkey, I might burn your house down, right? Like, that's the kind of response people had in this world. Jesus said, no, 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 an eye for an eye, tooth for tooth. God's given, like, let, let's, let's have equity of justice here. So it's given to sort of put a governor on the crazy and the evil and the vengeance that people are experiencing. But they, you know, that was the original spirit of the law given back in Deuteronomy. Pharisees have taken it to say, hey, I'm entitled to an eye for an eye or two for a tooth. You wronged me. I'm going to get what I can out of you. I'm going to make sure it's, it's executed in that way. All right, so again, it's given to the judges, not for individuals. So God gives this law as a way to ensure that the civil world, which is filled and ruled by hard-hearted humans, right, has some, some order to it. But now, as the kingdom comes to bear, right, so we're going to look at in a couple weeks when we talk about divorce, Jesus is going to say, hey, yeah, yeah, Moses gave you this law that you're supposed to give a certificate of divorce, but he gave that because of your hardness of hearts. That was never God's will. It's not, it's not a free pass to just divorce, just do it the right way. He said, no, 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 I, I gave that because there's hardness of hearts and there's women being abused and, and left out to, to dry. So if you're going to do it, give it, give a certificate so that they can have some protections around them, right? We'll talk more in depth in a couple weeks, but it's kind of the same thing here, right? It's not about just, you know, okay, here's this. Now get all that you can out of this law, right? Somebody harmed you. I'm going to get all I can out of them. No, no, he's saying, listen, this was given because we're dealing with a hard-hearted people. But guess what? Remember last week? Jesus, come, Jesus has come, and his people have no, no longer have what? They don't have hard hearts anymore, right? The Bible says, I'm going to take out their heart of stone, and I'm going to put in a heart of flesh. So Jesus is saying, I've changed the very heart issue, the very root issue that drives people to want to exact vengeance. I've taken out the heart of stone. I've put in a heart of flesh, so now you, my people, live differently. You respond differently, right? That, that's, that's the spirit of what, what Jesus is saying here. So we're going to live differently, he's saying. He's the fulfillment of this law. He is here to say, okay, but the kingdom's here. So listen, God has extended grace to us. You know that, right? You know that? <laughs> if you, you've ever thought you were entitled to some vengeance, you've ever thought you were entitled to some vindication, go back to the gospel. And remember where you stand over and against a holy God. As we looked out at Hebrews last week, he chose to forgive our sins. He showed us grace. So what do we do for one another? Jesus tells parables. It would be like somebody who's forgiven this huge debt because they can't pay it. Right? And oh my goodness, this, this weight is lifted off. I'm free, right? This, the... the, the He's not going to call on that note. He's forgiven this debt. And then that person who's forgiven that debt goes out and, and grabs his, his brother by the neck and, and makes him pay up a much smaller debt. He said, that's ridiculous. And in no way would that make sense. And for us as Christians, we have been forgiven the ultimate debt. We stand before a holy God completely condemned without any hope, without any justification for our sins. Any good that you have done, the Bible says it's like filthy rags before a holy God. 
So if you're tempted to feel like you're entitled to some vindication, just go back to the throne room vision of Isaiah 6. Go back to this idea that we're going to stand before God and be judged one day and realize that what you deserve is eternal hell and damnation and suffering, but what you've been given is grace. So that informs how we love one another. We've been given grace, so we show grace. What does that look like? Jesus is going to give us three examples here. He says, don't resist the one who's evil, but if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. Now, what in the world is he talking about? Right? Is he talking about you're just getting hit and you're just like, you know, just, just let, let's, I'm just picturing this person just standing there, especially as a kid. I was like, man, I don't know if I want to follow Jesus. This sounds miserable, right? You're just getting pounded. You can't even fight back. Well, the, the idea here is more about an insult. It's this backhanded slap, right? We don't have, it's not super culturally relevant. Maybe you've seen the movies or the, you know, that kind of thing. But it's really this backhanded slap. And for the Jewish culture, it was, this was an insult that, that very much w- was, was something that you did. It was like character defamation. Okay, it's this backhanded um, slap. Even in the Near East today, this is considered grossly offensive. Like we'd get gasp from anybody who saw it. Like it's, it's, it's really hard to overstate the, 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 the impact that this carried. So uh, it actually, in most cases, carried a potential fine um, that, that could be as high as somebody's annual salary. So if you, you, do, you, know, you smack somebody across the face, it's this backhanded thing, and, and it, you really you could be fined up to you know, your annual salary in response to that. And interestingly, the only recourse in this statement was to actually take the person to court in much the same way that you would do for character defamation or slander even today. So, so that's really the, the heart of what's being talked about here. I think there is physical implications for that. Again, I kind of I walked you through them earlier, right? If they come to arrest me, they're going to beat me, they're going to kill me, you know, in the town square as an example. Like, okay, I'm, I'm just, I need to I just, just take that. Rejoice that I'm sharing in Christ's sufferings. He's considered me worthy. His name's going to be glorified through that. So there's physical implications for sure. But primarily what he's talking about here is this insult, this character this, this, this backhanded slap. So he's saying, don't worry about that. Don't feel like you have to rise up in response to that. Don't feel like you have to justify yourself in that. Don't respond to an insult. Don't fight when it's not necessary. Don't worry about what people think of you. Okay, and, and then he goes on. He's going to say, verse 40, and if anyone would, would uh, sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak also. How many of y'all brought your tunics today? Like, I don't know, yeah. So for, for these people, these were, these were very familiar and very valuable um, pieces, uh, these very valuable possessions, okay? So the tunic would have been sort of like uh, the undergarment that goes against the skin, okay? So it's real common. Everybody's got one, and, and, and they were used kind of as, even as uh, transactional, right? You could give those as kind of deposits or as bartering, whatever. But the cloak, there was actual Old Testament provisions to keep someone from, from losing their cloak because the cloak was not only this kind of outer coat and, and not just, you know, really high fashion, but also high function, okay? So this was also a person, the thing that, you know, kind of kept them warm, kept them covered, but it would also serve as like their bedroll. It would also serve as, as, you know, kind of what they slept on, what they covered with. And for many people, they, they might only have one, Right? And so this was like, in a sense, the law was written in a way that says, okay, we want to make sure that somebody uh, can't be taken of their cloak so that they have a way to keep warm at night. Okay, so, so Jesus is saying, hey, somebody sues you and they're after your tunic? That's pretty common. This trans- Again, you might be trying to buy something. You've come to the market. You don't have cash. You don't have a debit card or whatever, but you need this. And you go, you know what? I'll give you my tunic. As even, maybe even hold it for the day, and I'll come back later. Right? It's used, like, the tunic was kind of used for transactions. But the cloak, again, not so much. But Jesus says, hey, they're suing you for your tunic. Give them your cloak too. 
They're trying to exact something out of you. Maybe you've wronged them. Maybe you haven't. He says, don't, don't resist here. This is where we're not trying to make a stink. We're not trying to, to rally the forces. We're not calling our attorneys. We're not ri- rising up against this. He's just saying, okay, go ahead. Give them, give them your cloak too. You know why? Because you belong to God. He's going to provide for you. What are you worried about? Well, what am I going to do tonight? I, you're part of a church. Listen, church, we got you. I don't know what happens in the next few years. I think it may get crazier than we've ever known. I'm not trying to be all doom and gloom, but I'm just saying, as we step into unknown times, we got each other. That's the whole point. Right? That's, that's the idea of living life together, right? So you get wrongly taken to, you know, taken to court and you lose your stuff. Who should you call? Your church. And who's providing for you in that way? God is. God's saying, I got my people. I'll take care of them. I said, don't, don't, don't make a stink over that. Let them have it. Let them have it. And we don't, we don't fight in those situations when we don't need to. Just go ahead and give it to them. It's the equivalent of saying, don't, don't fight over your wallet. Go ahead and give it to them. Spare your life. Okay? God's got you. He'll take care of you. Okay? Uh, he's going to go on to say, go the extra mile. How many of you heard that? It's another common saying. Kiddos, have you heard that? Go the extra mile. Jesus, what this is about is in this, um, it says, if anyone forces you to go one mile, he's like, how would you do that? How would somebody force me? Well, this is about Roman, uh, Roman rule. And in, in Roman law, any, any, you know, any people group that the Romans ruled over, which was basically everybody, right? They had uh, written into their legislation that they could force you to carry their stuff. So soldiers, most of them were not on horseback. They were walking too. So they could come up and say, hey, I got 80 pounds of kit here, right? Or, or gear. I want you, Nick, to carry it for me for the next mile. It's a thousand steps, I think. Next mile. You got to carry it for me. And you couldn't resist, right? It was legal. If you resisted, you, you know. But, but listen, how many of you would be so tempted? Because how demeaning is that? So Roman soldiers comes up, hey, carry this. You're like, I'm not sure, whatever, right? Like, Again, don't just read this. It's like disconnected scripture. I want you to put yourself in that situation. What rises up in you? Carry this. You're like, nah, right? I ain't your horse. I ain't your don't like talking to me that way, right? And you could probably get some people to to, to cause a ruckus. How many of y'all know some dudes? That's a fight right there, right? And the boys are stepping in. We're we're, we're gonna throw some hands. It's gonna be fun, right? Right there. We're gonna fight. Jesus says, so the Romans have this, this law. They, they can make you do it. A scriptural example, Simon of Cyrene. Uh, when Jesus is carrying the cross up the hill, he keeps falling. He can't carry it anymore. The Romans say, hey, you, get in here, carry that for him. Hey, that's what they're doing. They're exacting this law. They're, they're able to do that, carry that. Jesus says, hey, listen, that happens to you? Don't, don't buck up and fight. Yeah, you're the same. And here's the deal. Jesus knows you're just as valuable as the Romans. You know that? Some of us are so insecure, and, and for good reason sometimes. But sometimes we're so insecure that we'll fight at the drop of a hat because we feel like people are attacking our humanity and our value and our worth. And we, if we don't stand up for us, nobody will. Jesus is saying, I know, I know. You're just as valuable as that Roman soldier. We're going to get to the good news later. God says, I'll take care of him. Just go and, you know what, carry it the mile. Go and said, you know what, sir? I'll carry it another mile for you. How far are we going? Jesus says, just, just, just be generous. What, what kind of testimony is that to that Roman soldier? What's with this guy? And next time he comes through town, he finds another journey person. Says, hey, carry this. All right, cool. How far are we going? Got it. Got you for a mile. How about two? Next time he comes through town, it's another journey person. Carry this. All right, cool. I got you. 
right? We're talking about Jesus on the way. We're sharing our testimony, and these people are like, I can't. What's with these journey people? I can't, I can't turn them. I can't make them flip. You ever thought about what it must have been like for the authorities to try to persecute Paul, right? Whatever they did to that guy, the gospel just kept going, right? They're like, lock him up. He's ministered from the jail. He's singing hymns. The jailer gets saved, right? Starts a church. They're like, kill him. And they can't, right? And they, you know, his ship is wrecked. And he just keeps getting up, right? And it doesn't matter what they do, the gospel keeps going forward. We become those kinds of people that whatever they do to us, we're just like, all right, man, I got, I got treasures beyond this earth. Take it from me. You want to talk bad about me? You want to defile? You want to push me down in front of everybody else? That's cool. All right, last, last one of this section. The next section, we'll move quickly through. So it says, uh, give to the one who begs. Verse 42, give to the one who begs from you, and don't refuse the one who would borrow from you. What does that mean? I'm sure most of y'all thought about, how many of y'all thought about the people on the side of the road with a sign? That's where my mind went, right? What do we do with that? I, I think it just says, just, just go ahead and give. Well, but they're going to do whatever. You know, they're smoking cigarettes, and they got a dog, and you're like, well, if they just do this and that, I know. I know. Let's give them something. Don't resist the person that begs. Don't, don't resist the person who needs to borrow. It's saying, listen, you don't need to protect your belongings. You don't need to fight for that stuff. It's mine. You're mine. I'll take care of you. Just, just give to them. Don't cause a stink. Don't fight. Don't put people down. Don't take a stand against giving somebody a little something. Like, no, just, just go ahead. Again, as I said earlier, he's not saying that we, like, Socialism never goes well. There's no historical example of that going well. We're not going to give a wicked secular government the, the you know, reins to how a church and how people operate. But when the church lives in generosity, when a church lives open-handedly with our resources, the world can get transformed. Amen? That's what Jesus is talking about. Don't, hey, we're God's people. We're not going to hold on. We're not make a stink over some a few bucks. Make sense? This is what you say. Don't resist that kind of evil. Just, just let God handle the judgment of that. Let me, okay, so I'm going to try to give one. I hope this doesn't get misconstrued. I'm going to give one example. I got a knife pulled on me back in the day in Harrisburg at the movie theater. A knife fight. I didn't even know I was going to a knife fight. I think I had a pocket. Anyway, it's a crazy story. I didn't know, gang, you know Harrisburg was that thuggish, but I ran into some, right? So here, I was there with my girlfriend and my buddy and his girlfriend, and um, we were just like going to watch a movie. And we were standing out back, and there's like this long sidewalk, and we were trying to figure out what movie we were watching. And I guess the way I was looking, this dude that was standing over in the corner thought I was mean mugging him. And so he comes up, starts picking a fight. I was like, dude, I wasn't even looking at you. He was just trying to see what movie we're going to. But he's like, starts throwing a fit. He starts trying to provoke me by, by, by questioning my masculinity. Okay, and by, by questioning which gender I might prefer. Okay, it's Family Sunday, so I'll try to keep, you can use your imaginations. He's trying to provoke me, right? Meanwhile, he's there with another dude, and I'm there with my girlfriend. I was like, I don't, I mean, okay. And he pulls a knife on me. He's like, would you want something? I was like, no, I just want to see the movie, dude. Well, why are we fighting? Like, what? I don't even understand. But you know what? There, were, there would have been times when I, I would have wanted to fight that guy. But you know why I didn't? It wasn't because I was super mature. It's because I was there with a girl. And I was like, what are you even saying? That don't stick, right? Those insults don't stick. I'm clearly the one here with a girl. You're here with a guy. You, know, you do what you want with that, bro, but just don't insult me, right? I was like, I don't know. Like 16 years old. Anyway, but here's the deal. Here's why that didn't stick. It's because it didn't make any sense. I got proof. 
The proof of that insult doesn't matter. Here's the deal. We just sang a song. What does it say? It says, the cross has spoken. Okay? I am forgiven. The king of kings, listen to this church, calls me his own. Beautiful Savior, I'm yours forever. Jesus Christ, my living hope. What does that mean? No insults can stick when we are standing here with the King of Kings who's already declared our worth, who's already said our value is enough that he shed his blood for us, and we have our eternity secure. We have our identity secured vertically so we don't have to defend ourselves horizontally. So whatever they throw at you, whatever they accuse you of, it, it's like me, no, I'm, I'm here with Jesus. <laughs> like, say what you want, dude. It don't even matter. Think what you want. Write what you want on my Facebook wall. Listen, y'all, stop defending yourself on social media. Goodness, you ain't, you're not making any difference. Stop. There's a good application for this text. Just stop. We don't have to. We don't have to. Right? Because Jesus has spoken over us the truth about our identity. Okay, you'll write this down. When we are defined vertically with our relationship with God, we don't have to defend horizontally. When we're defined vertically, we don't have to defend horizontally. Okay, that's the heart of this text. That's, that's what Jesus is calling us to live. He goes on to say, okay, now what do we do with those people? Because sometimes we do get harmed and maybe we'll get out of that situation without having a reaction, but now what do we do with those people? Because now you're gonna lose sleep over them, aren't you? You're going to replay that in your mind. I can't believe they said that, right? You had the email loaded. You had the Facebook reply loaded, and you didn't send it. Talk to your community group. Talk to your spouse. You're like, all right, I'm not going to send it. But then you're losing sleep over it. you got an enemy now. You want to justify. What's Jesus say to do? Verse 43 says, you've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. Whoa, Jesus, we're getting like, this is varsity level. I'm not sure I signed up for that, right? It's like going to the, it's going to the, the Navy and then saying, hey, hey, right here is the, right here's Bud. You want to be a Navy SEAL? Like, no, 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 I didn't want to be a Navy SEAL. I just want to be in the Navy. Jesus said, like, right here, right here. Not only do we forgive people, not only do we do not defend ourselves, pray for those that persecute you. And that's next level crazy. That's next level hard. Jesus says, pray for those who persecute you so that, verse 45, you may be sons of the Father who is in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do, do not even the tax collectors do the same thing? He's like, listen, don't, don't, you can't boast around because we love each other. Right? Okay, cool. We're supposed to do that. Even the tax collectors are going to take care of their friends. Right? You understand what he's saying? He says, okay, cool, you'll take care of each other in a pinch, but so will those like, who are outside the church condemnable, right? He said, they'll take care of each other. We got to go beyond that. He says, if you just greet only your brothers, what, what more are you doing than others, right? We should be a people who love our enemies and pray for them. Do not even the Gentiles do the same? So what's he saying? We should be a people that when we have those enemies, when we have those people who have wronged us, what he's saying about when we pray for them is we need to invite God into that process. We need to invite God into our dialogue with our enemies. You have that inner dialogue. You know that, right? Some of you are stronger than others. You just like wake up fussing, or you don't even wake up. You're just fussing in your sleep about them. You have imaginary fights. They just say, how do you work? Yeah, I, I, you know, you're just like, whoa, right? You've already played it out, right? Jesus says, stop that. Stop. Instead, pray for them. And when you pray for them, what you're doing is inviting God into our response to our enemies, right? We, we're, and when we do that, we're going to see a couple things. Romans 12, 
I don't have it on the screen, so if you want to turn there, Romans 12, this is how we're going to end. Romans 12, verse 19 through 20. When we pray for our enemies, when we bring God into this process of being wrong, here's what we're going to see, a couple things. First, we're going to see a promise to execute vengeance himself. And secondly, we're going to be reminded of the grace that he's shown us. Romans 12, 19 says, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. So to the contrary, if your enemy's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. First thing we see, God promises, hey, I see the injustice that was dealt to you. Okay, some of y'all need to hear that. Hey, look at me. God sees you. He knows what happened. He knows what happened when the door was closed as a kid. He knows what happened at work. He knows what happened. Like, he knows. He sees you. He says, you don't have to defend yourself. I got you. I will, I, will, I will repay. He says, vengeance is mine. Because guess what? As much as you care about you, God cares about you even more. You're his image bearer. You're his treasure. You're his child. The wrath of a mama whose kid has been wronged or a dad, right? Ready to defend to that? That's, that's our God saying, no, no, I care about what happened to you because you're mine. You're an image bearer. And so vengeance is mine. I'll repay him. Justice will be served. It will be executed. And either... Either they will turn and trust in Jesus, in which case their, their justice gets poured directly on him on the cross. Justice is served there. Or they'll resist him and die and go and pay for their sins for the rest of eternity in hell. He says, I got justice. I got vengeance. It's mine. Let it go. Let it go. Instead, don't, and in doing so, you... You get to not be overcome by evil, but instead overcome evil with good. It's great news. Jesus is saying, listen, we're going to get, like, kill them with kindness, whatever. Let's, you know, those are throwaway lines. But Jesus is saying that. He's saying, listen, when you do that stuff, it's going to drive them nuts. Love them. Pray for them. And really pray for them. Pray for them the same way you pray for your kids, same way you pray for people that you love, that they'd meet Jesus, they'd encounter the gospel of grace, that they'd be changed. Pray for them. When you do so, you're going to be reminded, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. As mad as I am at them, God was even more mad at me. But instead of insisting that I pay for it, instead of insisting that he exact an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, our very souls, our very lives would be demanded of us in eternity in hell. You understand that? If God exacts justice on us, instead God says, God of mercy. All of that has been poured out on Jesus for those of you who trust in him. I've shown you grace, now you show grace to one another. It's radical living. It's radical living. But God wants to use that kind of radical living to change the world. This is how we be salt and light. Don't forget all the context here that God has said that we as his kingdom people are going to be. You see how we get real salty and real bright when we start living this way? Let's pray. God, help us. We need your spirit to convict us. As the last verse says, 
We, we were supposed to be striving to be perfect because you're perfect. What, Lord, help that time to be con- condemnation, but rather an invitation to, to be like you, that we don't get to be people who dismiss some laws because they're hard. No, we, we submit to it. We bring ourselves under the gospel, and we continue to be transformed. So, Father, for those that are really struggling, how do we, how do we display forgiveness but keep pursuing justice? How do I deal with this thing in me that will never see justice here on earth, but I want it and, I, and, I, and it's got a hold of my heart? How do we do all that? Lord, your Holy Spirit and your, your power is going to have to do work deep in some people's hearts to be set free from this. But I believe that that is exactly what you intend to do and why we preach through books of the Bible here at The Journey, because we don't get to escape from hard stuff. So help us, Lord. Spirit, help us. As we sing, as we pray, as we worship you, bring things to mind. Allow us to have a hope in you and to live out our kingdom ethics that you've laid before us because we've been so radically dealt with. May we be able to radically deal with one another. And may your grace and your gospel be applied to freshly to wounds that have never been stirred up. Father, I know from experience there's people in here that have never dealt with the harm that was dealt to them as a kid or the harm that was dealt to them in a marriage or at work. They've never spoke up. They've never told anybody. They've never allowed the gospel in there. I pray that you would extend grace to them this morning and allow them to receive the gospel into the dark places of their heart so it could no longer dominate them in addiction and chains and bitterness, whatever way it's got a hold on them. I pray you would break those chains today. In Jesus' name, come.